0: everyone, welcome along to the first Luton Town Sports Trust podcast of 2022. I'm Kev, your host as always. Unfortunately, we're having a few personnel issues like football clubs are having, but unlike football clubs, we're going to crack on right through it. And uh, <laughs> I'm joined by just James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist this month. James, great to have you alongside me. I know it's only the two of us, but I'm sure we'll... Uh,
1: do we'll make podcast. it if we try we'll do the podcast if,
0: <laughs> uh, we'll do it justice um before we start happy new year mate uh, i hope you had a good christmas too
1: it was quiet on it it was too quiet in fact it was rubbish let's be honest it was absolutely rubbish no football
0: yeah if you live for football over christmas like i'm sure we all do it, unfortunately it wasn't the best one was it but you know these things happen it's going to be game 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 from here on in so we'll certainly make up for it Uh, those wishes get extended to everyone who listens our regular listeners Uh, we hope you had a good Christmas despite the void of football and of course we hope you have a happy healthy and safe 2022. Okay coming up on this first part of the podcast uh, James and myself will reflect on the few matches that have actually taken place since our last podcast. We'll do a couple of player focuses. I don't think you need to be Albert Einstein to work out who the first one's going to be on. And the second one we'll do uh, Jordan Clark because we had him on the podcast last month and he was brilliant um, with us. So it's only fair that we uh, cover him in a bit more glory this month. And then after that, I caught up with James Shea earlier on today. Uh, I bothered him on his day off. So um, we've got a nice little interview to finish the first part with him. And then the second part of the podcast, having done the uh, the past in the first bit, we'll look at the present and the future um, in part two, as always. Part one then, James, obviously not a great deal of football that has taken place. It's only, take, only three league games, one in particular that we'll save until the end of this little bit, because obviously that deserves more justice than the others. Um, but actually let's just cover the Fulham game because since we drew with Fulham, a game that we probably should have won, they have gone absolutely bonkers and that draw hmm. is getting better and better and better every time they take to the pitch.
1: Yeah, well, it was good on the night, but it was it was decent on the night. I mean, we were all expecting that it would have been three points, really. Luton were really that good and um, the referee wasn't that obliging, was he? So, um, yeah, they really more more than held their own, should have won, should have had a penalty perhaps mitrovic's goal should have been chalked off for offside um but the the equalizer was stunning really james james Bree's um cross and and uh, Elijah's header stooping header coupled with james Bree turning around to um <laughs> give out to some some supporter in the crowd that had been on his back all day for not crossing very well which he hadn't for the first half but he more than made up for with that cross and since. He's been absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, arguably they are up there with Bournemouth in terms of the two teams that you expect them to go up. And like you say, since they have uh, played at Luton, the first team in the second tier to score more than six goals in three consecutive games for uh, about 40 years on that. I think it's, it's good. We need Simon we need here, don't we, for the stats. But it's yeah, it's been crazy what, they, what they've been doing since then. But they honestly uh, didn't really look like scoring that many at Luton. Uh, and the one they did score probably shouldn't have been, can it? So yeah, pretty, pretty decent start to the run. Um, and then obviously we have to wait so long for it to carry on, but it has.
0: Yeah, I mean, really and truly, apart from the field and a few shots you'd have expected James Shade to save, didn't have a great deal to do and obviously as you alluded to there with the referee not playing ball there was a stonewall penalty in injury time that he just basically straight out bottled because he was looking straight at it and knew what the circumstances and the consequences were had he have given it and
1: mm. chose not to do. Yeah absolutely it was, it was a terrible decision but you know you, you can't control those things but you can control I suppose if you're a Litton-Town player Town player and, and Nathan Jones is the way that they performed really and they Better than Fulham on the night, I thought. Uh, and, uh, you know, Fulham, for all their attacking prowess, you know, were lucky to squeak out a Kenworth Road with a point, really.
0: Absolutely, they were. Uh, just to finish on that game, James Bree giving it back to the fan. No problem with that?
1: Not at all. No, I mean, if the if fan's going to stand there and sing them out and give it give it to him, then um, he's, he's quite well within his rights. He did nothing, you know obscene or anything just turned around and just sort of said well there you go what do you think about that then Uh, essentially so yeah absolutely no problem I mean I asked Nathan Jones about it after the game and he's no problem either so um, you know there's there's always going to be the odd one one or two that that do that Um, you know albeit that his crosses were pretty dreadful in the first half I don't see how it's going to it's those are going to improve if you're slagging him off really you know what I mean and actually it, it, there's
0: an awful lot of statistics out there that suggest he's the fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth best right back in the championship so he't mm. doing something he's, he's, he's not doing too much wrong
1: he's not he's and he's really come into his own these last few games obviously he didn't play last night against reading um, and kiosa came back in but he's been really really impressive since um, you know it, it and he was really, when, when Jones came back and the great escape, he was fantastic in that period. Um, sort of went off the boil, you know, an injury, didn't he? Missed a bit of pre seasoned last season and that doesn't help. So, uh, but I think he's been really um, a really good player and you know people gripe at the, the amount of times he's been hitting the first man. But it seems, uh, touch wood, that he's kind of rectified that. There's, there's so many dangerous crosses. Um, against uh, against Bournemouth in particular, uh, as we'll come on to. But, um, yeah, all that seems to have gone. So, <clears throat> you know, all power to him, you know, you know with James Brie as well. that you know, Nathan did come out and say that he's um, as good, if not better than Jack Stacey, uh, something along those lines, which is never going to – people aren't going to warm to that sort of thing because of the love that Jack Stacey still has and you saw that when he came with Bournemouth and he gave that he was the only player Bournemouth player left on the pitch at the end of the game clapping all sides of the ground and everyone uh, responded as well so um, but he is a good player three and when he's confident and when he's on form as the stats are showing as well at the minute he's a good player
0: yeah a bit more love and uh, it'll be even better and um, like you say, four-week four, four break after that game, unfortunately. Uh, Reading started the run with COVID, didn't they? Then we joined in over Christmas. And then um, I can't remember, Coventry, wasn't it, on New on uh, New Year's Day also yeah. um, jumped on the bandwagon. That meant that the next game after Fulham was Harrogate in the Cup, which was the most pre-season friendly of all pre-season friendlies in the middle of a season. Um, but I suppose if you're... Going to shake the cobwebs off and uh, and all the rust and stuff. You may as well do it with four goals.
1: Yeah, I mean that's all you can really do. You're on a hiding to nothing as the fancy team in those cup uh, ties, and it re- really everybody's looking on to see if you slip up. And um, you know there was there was a potential for that in the first half because they re- really were a bit rusty, and Harrogate are really taking it to them. The fella that they've got on loan from Huddersfield was outstanding, as was their. Um, they're right back and the crosses kept coming in but Luton dealt with them uh, which was good and then obviously in that second half where well, they got the goal to, to settle them and in the second half they, they scored the rest so it was it was fairly routine after that the second goal knocked the stuffing out of Harrogate and and, and they were never really in the contest, contest after that apart from one glorious chance um, at, at, towards the end but that would have really been only a consolation so um, yeah, You've just got to make sure you do a professional job against uh, a team like that and get yourself in the the, the hat for the next round, which was um, underwhelming, to say the least, wasn't it?
0: It was, absolutely. Although, I have to say, my ticker's probably glad we're going to Cambridge and not Newcastle, because that away end, I'm still recovering from the last time we went there. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I can, I can kind of live with that. Uh, highlight that game, Elijah's... Goal. Lovely control, turn, bang, bottom corner—just a championship quality goal.
1: Yep, Elijah doing Elijah things, really, isn't it? It's, uh, that was the difference, really, because Har- Harrogate were on top. Yeah, you, ha- you have to say that, and you have to hand it to them—they were on top and they were trying to create chances, but the quality wasn't there. And then, and this is not something we've said quite often, really, in the in the three years since being back in the championship, three seasons since being back in the championship, that Luton were just really utterly ruthless. They, you know, first chance, bang, goal. And um, yeah, he's he's showing his quality time and again, whether it's scoring or, you know, assisting as it is against Reading or holding the ball up or just an unbelievable bit of skill to pluck the ball out of the sky and, and trap it on a tuppence and get away from the defender. He's just, it's just growing growing and growing every game. He's a really pr- impressive player.
0: I think the kids suggest that that clip's going viral, isn't it? I think that's the uh, the youngster's terminology these days, and absolutely rightly so. I mean, when he pulled that down um, at Reading, I was like, did he control that? And then I was like, of course he controlled that because he's carrying the ball away with him. It's an unbelievable piece of skill. That went mighty high as well. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. Just on that Reading game, we'll go back to the game in a second, just on that Reading game. Uh, very easy win, probably the best sort of thing that could have happened really, they didn't turn up, they were absolutely terrible, the worst team seen in the championship, uh, I know you weren't at the game but uh, I'm sure you've seen the highlights and everything else from that, um, you know, but more importantly didn't have to come out of second gear, saved plenty of energy for Saturday so hopefully we can go again on Saturday and most importantly of all first time all season with one back-to-back league games.
1: Yeah, that is that is key um, if you're going to go on a good run and and now's as good a time as any because the games don't stop. Um, and the five games unbeaten is pretty impressive. First back-to-back wins, uh, also impressive. But you've got to, you've got to look at the teams they've done it against as well in this run. Uh, you've got Fulham and Bournemouth, who they've taken four points off and arguably should have taken anything. Um, and then I've read inside that when you get hammered 7-0 at home, that was against Fulham. You'd expect a response, wouldn't you? They got beaten as well in the at the same time. Luton was winning in the very last kick of the game, so they were losing in the very last kick of the game. The previous previous round of matches, so you you, you kind of expect a response uh, from Reading, and it, there was nothing. That, they looked very lackluster from what I saw, and um, yeah, what well, doesn't it make a change to, to win a game with relatively relative ease?
0: particularly there. first win since 1999 as well apart from in the cups we mm. do take a good record in the cup but some reason in the league we usually absolutely stink the place out but we didn't last night and okay we weren't fantastic but one of the reasons why we weren't fantastic is because we were absolutely superb against Bournemouth on Saturday there are occasions that really remind you what football is all about isn't there and Saturday was very much one of those and um you were in the press box enjoying it all I was in the kennel the end moving all over the place from start to finish because I started in my seat and then when Cal Naismith scored I don't know where I ended up but it was nowhere near my seat and I don't know how <laughs> I got there and uh, it was just absolutely fantastic we'll come on to the celebrations at the end shortly but um that first half was some first half wasn't it
1: they were brilliant they really were and there are, there are halves of football that I've seen at the Kenny let's just take the Nathan Jones era because you, don't, you could talk forever if you go back and back and back but um, that that for me was the best because even if you think about the Portsmouth one with the, the late George Monco Uh Jones wasn't there at the time was he? He'd gone no, so it, so under Jones that it was fabulous they they, they tore Bournemouth to pieces um, obviously get he's fortunate to get an own, go, an own goal but um, you have to give it to the goalie that he made a good save Elijah did everything right to shape his body and and score there in fact if it wasn't for that goalie in the first start he would have like a lot more because he, he was keeping him in it um, a nice little fun fact as well that, that that own goal means that that Bournemouth player Lloyd Kelly is the joint fourth highest scorer for Luton because he's scored nine own goal at the other the other game, the return fixture. But um, And then obviously there was that controversy, which, you know, I wrote a piece afterwards uh, about all the talking points from that and said, it's, got, it's good that, that that is not a talking point because of the result, because Luton got the right result in the end, but it should still be a talking point. We need to talk more about how the hell that decision happened because, yeah, they've arrived at the right decision, but without the benefit of VAR, how how have they arrived at that decision? Because the liner didn't wave his flag, the referee blew, blew his whistle and awarded the goal. The only thing that happens after that point is about two minutes of the Bournemouth players crowding around the line and having a go, staff running down. Presumably, they've got replays that they've seen. So the the lino and the, the ref can have all the, all the chats they want. And, you know, we were told afterwards that they both thought it was offside, but they didn't know who the ball came off of. But that doesn't make sense either because at the time you'd awarded the goal, So you can think that in retrospect, you've awarded the goal. So how have you come to the decision to change that? And it's got to be because the Bournemouth players were protesting. I must have missed that memo about when goals can be chalked off through protest. Uh, It's it it's a really it stinks that one. It's horrible. But what it did do is serve to raise the temperature in in the ground. And and when things boil up like that in the Kenny, it's very intimidating place, and Bournemouth couldn't live with Luton after that. And obviously, Campbell scored a wonder goal, which I didn't think he had in his in his locker, but he's now proving he has. I'm not convinced uh, he did, though, He did. Look he at it, he's
0: so searching for a pass, isn't he? And yeah,
1: like, no oh, he's desperate to, to offload it.
0: it. Yeah, no desperate to give it away.
1: It. But then it opens up, and if he's got that, if it opens up and he can smack him for 20 yards, 25 yards, then he's going to be he's going to be a fantastic player. I mean I really I rate him already just for the work he does off the ball and and, and maybe that goes unnoticed because he doesn't have those uh, those goal scoring stats behind him or didn't at the time but um, he really does give Luton a lot of forward impetus and uh, the, the high press works so well when he's in the team. He's a, he's a real terrier. It must be a pain in the ass to play against because he doesn't leave you alone. Snaps around, and he's always in good spaces as well. Uh, so that's that's why he got into those, that position to even think about having a shot because he got into a fantastic spot and and was positive with it because he's fast forward. So wonderful, wonderful first half. It should have been three 0 at halftime. Um, you know, I know that Jones said it's good that the. Cameron Jerome goal got chalked off because um, then you wouldn't have had the Campbell goal, so it still would have been two 0 But I think that's could have, would have, should have really. I think Luton was so dominant that they'd have scored that goal. They'd have scored another one, and who knows what, what could have happened? It's sad for Jerome as well because that was his first league goal for Luton. Um, you know, he, he was offside, obviously fractionally, but you can't, you can't. You can't justify that without a video replay. But um, just on Jerome, though, that was his best
0: game in a Luton shirt. I've been kind of critical of the drop-off between Elijah and the rest of the strikers. Yeah. But actually, in that game, Cameron Jerome kind of showed us everything that we signed, or that we thought we'd signed at the start of the season. So maybe the goal against Harrogate was the. Boost to his confidence that he needed because he was he was really 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 good in that game against Bournemouth. I mean, he had to go off, didn't he? Because he would literally yeah. just run himself into the ground. I think he even slid in on the goalkeeper, didn't he, in the second half? And I was like, "God, don't do that. You ain't got no energy as it is left in, in you," and he's still chasing things down. I think their sec- their second goal came from it, didn't it? And um,
1: yeah.
0: but yeah, fair play to Cam uh, to Cameron there. I mean, easily his best game in the Luton shirt.
1: Oh, yeah, come for me. He was a real menace. Um we rolled back the years, really, isn't he? he? He was putting himself about, um, making himself a nuisance, holding the ball up so well, both of them were, which brought um you know midfield into the play. Um, and when you consider who they were being marked by, you know, former England international, Gary Cahill, who's won probably everything with Chelsea. Um and a, strong up and come on, like uh, Lloyd Kelly you know when those two strikers went home and entered their pockets those those fellas would have fallen out
0: as opposed to former striker who couldn't get out of Sonny Bradley's pocket throughout the whole of the, uh, the afternoon yeah. unfortunately the game did change though didn't it in the second half um, Stacey did what Stacey does and um, well without doing an awful lot wrong really we've gone from 2-0 to 2-2 each and I guess at that point, at two each, you're like, this is Swansea again, isn't it? Oh yeah. At that stage, honestly,
1: I thought they were going to lose.
0: Because there was like 16 minutes left or something dark like that and we knew there was going to be injury time on top of that because of the uh, Alan Campbell and Rhys Burke injuries as well. So you're basically looking at 20 minutes, weren't you, minimum. And um, you're kind of like, yeek, have we run our race? Because this was the first high intensity game. I mean the the, the Harrigan game got the shackles off and the rust off, but it was as low intensity as you're going to play. So our first high intensity championship game since the Fulham game five Saturdays previous. So, uh, so we we were within our rights to kind of be leggy in the last ten minutes, but we just weren't going to lose that game. In fact we weren't we just weren't not going to win that game.
1: Well yeah, after that point, really, after the goal, um you know timings of goals in in uh, you know, respective comebacks so important, and when Bournemouth scored so early on after the break, it does set alarm bells ringing because ideally you want to be holding out to at least an hour um, to you know stifle them a bit. But they were um, they were they, they were within one goal at that point, and then um, you know Jordan Clark doesn't really have any chance against a, a, a ball that's put in the six yard box and a. Mark Hernandez is steaming in for a header, so um, you know you can look at how the, how you defend it better. But um, the fact that they rallied after that point is really the key thing because I thought they were nailed on for defeat at that point, which would have been such a shame after that first half. And really, in, in, when you look back and in the fullness of it. You know for fi- only for 15 20 minutes for Bournemouth any good, yeah. They scored their goals, then, but then the rest of the game was everything, it was it was Luton and everything was good about Luton. So, um, you know, the the the, the, the noise that went around Kenora's road in just the build up to those to that finale. I know there were seven minutes to add on, well, there were six actually, so <laughs> they managed to score in one past that, but. Just the build of it and the wave after wave of attack, and the fact that James Bree had been so effective in crossing the ball in the first half carried on in that vein. And they were just trying to get it down the channels and get it in the box. You know, Elijah has a header but can't quite get over it. And, um, you know, the ball's ping, pinging in and out. And, you know, Pelly has a volley, looked that he, he caught that cracking and it hits a. Defender, and he just think you know it's not going to go in, but they were giving it everything, kitchen sink stuff. Um, and then, yeah, my word, that finish when it, when the ball comes out to Cal Smith. You know, other than Elijah at the moment, if you want the ball to you know land to anyone, it's it's Cow, and then so cool and calm, just to just put the defender on his ass and then bend it. Use three players to unsight the goalkeeper and bend it into the corner with the left foot is just unbelievable and then <laughs> after that I, I only really recollect what happens from replays because it was, just went bananas in the place and they're just every bit of emotion and uh, everything you ever got into football for uh, when you were a little kid just comes out at that point you just forget where you are and who you are and what you're doing just go absolutely crazy You know, even I was in the press box. I guess you should show some decorum in there, but you know, you can't when that happens. It was unbelievable, and just the reaction, and the fact that they only had time to kick the ball off, kick off, and the whistle went. There's no better way to win a football match. The only way that could ever get better is that's how you won a, a trophy. That's the only possible way. That is that. Otherwise, that is the pinnacle of your football watching life is to see a last kick of the game, Royal the Rovers style win like that. And it is it, going to live long, so long in the memory. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about the George Moncur one against Portsmouth. And real, realistically, that meant more because Luke went top with that, that strike, top of league one, and then they didn't come down again and they they won the league. This was just it was just three points but everything that went on in the game you know the controversy the going tuning up getting pegged back and then the last second of the game winning it it was against the championship leaders as well and the amount of money they've got and the amount of great players they've got it was just phenomenal it was one of the one of the best one of the best things I've ever seen <laughs> while well, covering Luton down football club
0: it was absolutely superb I mean the whole injury time was superb wasn't it we thought we were so close to winning it when Jordan Clark goes through on goal and the keeper makes an absolute worldy save and then starts moaning about some handball or something when it quite clearly hit him uh, in, in his chest uh, and maybe then that was the chance gone and then of course they break from the corner don't they and Jordan Clark sends three of them <sighs> It wasn't completely the opposite direction. I mean, something you're talking, else. You're talking coolness. I mean, if he gets that wrong, he ain't he ain't going anywhere near Nathan that's James the, for him.
1: That's that's the thing, though, isn't it? There were so many of these little great moments that ultimately they sort of get lost to the fullness of time because of what happened at the end. But that bit, I, that was that had me off my seat. He's just like, my word, that is some cojones. <laughs> He's just so then
0: I mean, if if he gets that wrong, they're three on James Shea, aren't they? So they'll just work it, that they pass it, and then someone scores into an empty net. I mean, that was just incredible in itself. And then we get, like you say, to the winning goal, the Pelly Volley's blocked, it comes out, and no one seems to appreciate Lansbury's ball to Mm. James Bree because it's coming down from the sky. I mean, a normal footballer, it hits his foot and pings off into the enclosure. He cushions that so well Bree doesn't even need to break his stride. He just puts mm-hmm. then just puts the ball where he wants it to cross it over. There's a penalty in the build-up. Elijah's absolutely taken out just as he's about to launch himself into that header. And then, well, like you say, it falls to Cal Naismith. And as soon as he sent the defender halfway to Dunstable, I've mm. seen, I'm right behind it. And I've seen it leave his foot. And, as, he, and as, as it's left his foot, I've somehow left my seat and I don't know where the hell I ended up. But I must have been further from my seat than Nathan Jones was from the dugout by the time he'd finished his celebration. It was just pandemonium, wasn't it? And it was just everything. I don't know. It was like the whole of the afternoon just kind of boiled up. And then it was like the volcano just erupted. Every, everything, The roof went off. It was just it was just a moment that Kenworth Road, only Kenworth Road can
1: um, produce. Yeah, I mean, there was even when you're talking about it like now and you say things like that and I just, like, Oh yeah, that did happen. Like Nathan Jones did run all the way up the touchline and launch into what I've called an atomic knee slide, and <laughs> done his ham, done his hamstring. That happened. And uh, <laughs> it was just, yeah, unbelievable scenes. And like uh, James Shea belting it from the, um, from his own goal to join in the, in the celebrations and everyone in, in on those celebrations. and you know, Cal Naismith trying to get his shirt off to celebrate, realizing, I don't know whether he realized he couldn't or he shouldn't, but <laughs> you know, all these little things, uh, you know, slides on the ground bundles everywhere. I, I could see from the press box, you-, you, lot in the stand, it was just, it, it was just like a, a wave of moving all over the shop. Like you wouldn't believe And Um, yeah, everything about it was, was unbelievable. And, uh, the, the noise carried on well after the well after the final whistle and then you get home didn't you and you hear uh, you, you spend all weekend on social media and you, you hear um, the commentary from you know, our good friend Simon Bitts and Simon Oxley's was wonderful from BBC View Counties then then you end then you thought you would seen it all and then you haven't heard anything until you've watched Calne's for a score a stunner to a Spanish commentary <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> ah yeah just yeah stick it in my veins
0: absolutely yeah when we started this podcast five seasons ago if I'd said to you we were going to beat the championship leaders with our centre-back chesting the ball down sending a midfielder here, there and everywhere pinging it in the bottom bin 65 sorry sorry 95 minutes and a Spanish commentator is going to be giving it large all over it you'd have (laughs) like you'd have ordered the doctor for me it's just absolutely incredible it was just fantastic and you know we know we're going to leave Kenilworth Road soon, but it's those memories that we're going to take with us. It was just absolutely fantastic. You mentioned there actually James, um, sorry, Jack Stacy, fair play to Jack actually, because he must've been absolutely pig sick at the end of that game, but he still remembered his roots. He still remembered what we did for him. He still came around and applauded and the Luton fans were still gracious enough, even though we were rejoicing in the victory to uh, applaud him back. And, you know, Sometimes there isn't loyalty in football, is there? But it's just a nice, it was just a nice touch. It
1: it was, and it shows the the unity that was at the club at the time and was kind of a nice bookend, really, for the unity that we are now seeing. You know, it's come back around. We're we're firmly, firmly, you know, I wrote about this. It it happened a while ago, but these little moments like rubber stamp it, 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 we're firmly back in that. You know, ride in high position of a uh, club unity and 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 uh, everything sort of going in the right direction. Uh, from when you know just before Jones left, and after that, you know, the first season in the championship was really difficult, wasn't it? Obviously, but the the end of it, you know, that that made up. For me, we've said it on this podcast. You know, his, his apology on his first press conference was enough for me, and then the fact that he engineered the Great Escape should have been enough for everyone else. But what he's done since, what what the club has done since, and the players he's got in, um, yeah, it's you, you. really, it's hard to tell people really if if you've not experienced what uh, you know, Luton fans of a certain age will have experienced it, in in this century. If, if you're a young kid, it's hard to tell them that you've really got to drink these moments in. You've got to you've got to savour how absolutely wonderful everything is, top to bottom, on the pitch and off the pitch, because um, it doesn't happen often. And and it from where Luton have come from and the, the depths of despair from where they were in the you know the twenty the late twenty tens to to get back to this. um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You know, results, results will ebb and flow. They always will. But one thing that everybody seems to be recognising now is that something special is happening at, at the club. And, what, and where that leads, I don't know. You know, ultimately, I guess, from what Jones and Gary Sweet have said in the past, that ultimately it leads to the Premier League, doesn't it? I don't necessarily that'll be this year but you never know you know because we're in the midst of this five game run but um, you know everything is is just absolutely wonderful I and mean, at the minute if you're looking just in the league you look at last night's opponents Reading uh, and, and how you know they've they've been docked points and now they're you know, battling relegation you look at Derby who are battling existence you know in the next couple of weeks they potentially could go out of existence and that's all because of previous owners, you know, Luton had been there, but they'd come back from the precipice and now, you know, we're at this absolutely wonderful place where, you know, everything's on the up and up and, you know, results like Bournemouth really rubber stamp it and you, you live for those moments. But it's all the smaller moments as well that add up to A. smith doing what he did, which are really important as well. And like, you know, you could, like we say, you just forget them every now and again. So you need to have a conversation with somebody and they'll go, remember that bit? Oh yeah, that happened. What a time to be alive.
0: Absolutely it is. If you were in the ground on Saturday, it's it's definitely a day you'll never, ever forget. Um, Late goals. It's not a fluke. It's happened a while. I mentioned it in the column I wrote for you at the end of 2021. Uh, Blackburn away. 90-whatever, seventh-minute equaliser from Luke Berry. Bristol City away, 93rd-minute equaliser from Danny Hilton. 97th-minute winner against Bournemouth. You go back in time, 90-whatever-it-was-at-Walsall when we sparked those crazy scenes at, um, at the end of that game when Kazenga scored, you know, even maybe not last-minute goals, the George Monker free kick, the Kazenga one at um, Hull was, what, five minutes to go to keep us in the championship. Mm-hmm. It's... It's, it's, it's a it's a it's obviously a fitness thing but it's just a a character of and a trait of we are just going to get that goal that either gets us level in this game or wins us this game we were just going to refuse anything else
1: yeah it's got to be you know obviously it's a fitness thing um and they're very uh attuned on that front but it's a mentality thing isn't it For me you know, this season already, there's been five times that they've scored in the 90th minute or later, and so it isn't a fluke. It really isn't. But that that stuff is like a snowball effect. You, if you keep doing it, there's no point really in a game unless you're really behind, where you're not going to think we've got to sniff it. That's that, that's got to be what the players think, and so that you keep going and keep going to to turn it turn it around if you take the Bournemouth game as an example to turn it around at 2-2 when everything was stacked in front of Bournemouth's favour you know Burke and Campbell were getting were limping off injured and it was it wasn't looking good but they, they turned that around and it was Bournemouth looking on the back foot uh you know to, to keep going deep into it you know 97 minutes it's an incredible feat really um you <laughs> particularly, as they fairly ring rusty from the the game before and the month off due to COVID. So, um, what it does do is it means you should never leave the game early. Uh, but it, it 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 almost will lend itself to more of those atmospheres that we experienced on Saturday because you think they've done it before; they can do it again. It's you know, Man United under uh, Alex Ferguson did it all the time. They were never beaten until like deep into it. There's so much so they called it Fergie time, didn't they? And, um, you know, maybe there's just a little bit of that volutin' now.
0: Maybe it's Nathan Jones time. Uh, you yeah. speak about leaving early. I don't think many would have left early on Saturday, but did you see that video that was posted on Saturday? <laughs> Imagine if yeah. you're walking down Hazelbrook Crescent and you hear that. You must be absolutely gutted if you've been in that game and you hear that from the outside.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I've never left a football match early. Never. I don't get it. You know, if you've if you've paid that much money to be at a football game, um then stay there. <laughs> it's just, it's oh, yeah, unbelievable to me. You never know what's going to happen. You know, you know. My, a lot of the time, you can say you, you can say with fairly decent certainty how things go if you've had enough experience of football. So, uh, but th- every now and again, some things come along and they you know completely don't follow those rules you know the Bournemouth game uh, a case in point where I said you know I thought that Bournemouth would go on to win when it was two two Um, it it is such an unpredictable game uh, that I I don't know why you would leave that early particularly as how good a game of football it was it was brilliant I wanted that to go on forever 97 minutes was not long enough
0: Oh, it was once we scored the third goal, trust me. <laughs> Perfectly long enough. Blow the whistle, we're absolutely superb. That's the uh, that's all the games that we've played. At least we're gonna I'm sure we'll be talking about this Bournemouth game in every podcast between now and the end of the season because it's just fantastic. But we'll move on to our player focuses and there's only one player to focus on first and foremost. Uh particularly as it was the one year anniversary that Cal Naismith signed for us on Saturday. So it's fitting that he scored the winning goal in the last minute. In the way that he did first the uh, first things first then, did Reese Norrington Davis do us a favor? because yeah. if he didn't if he didn't jump ship, would Cal Naismith might not even have been here, So you know what an absolute signing he's been. Um, you know he's just getting better and better and better. and you just wonder, just have we have we got to the peak of him he's he's just absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. To answer your first point, I think yeah. Norrington Davis, um, went in a stepping stone that didn't exist, as done and the world
0: Um
1: and getting. I mean, I count. mentioned that in jest because obviously
0: we're coming up against him on Saturday, aren't we? So. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, there is always a chance for him to come and come back and haunt you, but, Luton's defence are doing pretty good at the moment, so. Um, We'll see, we'll see, but, now, listen, Cal Smith is a wonderful footballer. Um, I remember in his first couple of games, actually, um, and it, he was playing uh, down the left, right in front of the press box, and there was a lot of people giving him stick for that game. I forget who it was, a, it was against. It might have been his first home appearance. And maybe they were seeing some stuff on TV, but I saw stuff in that game that probably wasn't shown on TV, where he was like pelting it up the wing and joining in and stuff and doing the things that you want to see. Maybe they weren't coming off, but I didn't quite get the stick that he was getting at that point. This is, of course, we're watching on laptops and screens
0: and yeah, things, aren't we? Because we're, right. banned from, we're banned from the ground and things. But that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I remember, I remember
1: right. saying the same thing at the time. Yeah. Um, but he's he's gone on from strength to strength. The fact that he can just somebody said on the internet the other day, so I'm not taking credit for this. Um, Cal Nay has to change position every so often just to make it interesting for himself because he's that good a footballer. Cause he can do it everywhere. you know, I've seen him on the left wing, seen him left uh full back, centre defense, defensive midfielder. Um, you know, he came as a winger. He knows what the goal is. So the, probably the more, the, perhaps the most impressive aspect is probably not that he can score that goal on, on on Saturday against Bournemouth. It's probably more the fact that he's a quality defender. It's a hard position to play centre-back, isn't it? Um, but he gives some, Luton something so valuable in he, he can, that he can knock it long, he can hit, you know, put put the ball on a on a tuppence for Elijah by whacking it long like he did against Reading. Obviously, Elijah completes that move with a wonderful bit of skill. But or he can bring it out out of the back, and he's done it on numerous times. The, the, I'm stretching my memory banks back because we had that month break, but just before COVID struck. You know, in successive games, at least once he bombed out of the defence and beat a couple of players and got well. It was the attention. Fulham game.
0: It was the Fulham game, wasn't it? Late on, he took on about five of them, and um, yes, I can't, I can't remember if he got a shot away or if he um, laid the ball off or something. But he was he was going around them like they were dummies, weren't he? It was just a fantastic run, and if it if it had, had the Bournemouth goal on the end of that run. Well, they'd have, they could have stopped everything, goal of the season, game of the season, player of the season, everything there and then.
1: Well, exactly. But it shows what he can do. He can beat, he can beat, he can defend really well. He can beat players. He can ping an unbelievable holly, hollywood ball from one side of the pitch to the other and land it right at a tuppence. And then he can score with such... Car- he was the only person in that entire ground, I think, who was as cool as... As he was, everything. Everyone else is an absolute fever pitch because he didn't come out of the blue. It was pressure after pressure and wave after wave. And he strokes that in. It's like <laughs> it's almost like because he he was bald last year. It's almost like he's grown his hair back. He's done a reverse Samson, isn't he? And he's just <laughs> he's he's unbelievable. He's 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 so uh, good to watch and. Um, I think he deserves all the plaudits he gets. He's obviously, I thought he was a, a cult hero, becoming a cult hero with fans before that goal. I mean, you can tell me better, but it seemed that way, the way people were talking about him. You know, everybody calls him Caldini now. It's That's not a mocking title. That's just because everybody thinks he's so bloody good. Uh, and so, yeah, I, th- I thought he was becoming a cult hero anyway, if he wasn't already and then that goal is just going to cement it really um, you know and he only needs to do one um, slightly uh, above average thing every game and everybody will just be reminded it, of it and it would be that type of player really you know? and also that goal that he scored you know afterwards I spoke to him and he was kicking himself that he didn't quite do well enough for the first goal uh, when Stacy skipped past him but if he's got that to to wipe, wipe out that memory uh, and he can he can step up and score a guy like that, then you've got a great player. I mean, I asked Nathan Jones as well because he's, he's gone on record and spoken about Jordan Clark and how good a free signing Jordan Clark is. And he is. Jordan Clark is a proper, proper player. Brilliant player. Um, you know, Cal naismith has got to be up there with him. Got to be up there with him. And if, if, if you can, uh, you know, talk about that particular title, the best free signing, they've got to be duking it out. No sweat.
0: And of course, it wasn't just a goal on Saturday, was it? It was his ball into Campbell for the second one. So he's got an assist for that goal. Like you say, the amount of diags that he puts on James Brees' toes, it's just, I mean, it's relentless now. You, you kind of wonder how he can still do it because teams must scout that. In this day and age, everything's watched, isn't it? But he's just so good. And he's just got so much belief in his passing range that he's just going to keep on doing it. He's very much like Sheehan in that hmm. regard. And I know someone—I can't, I don't know who—with the press, but I know someone asked Sheehan himself, didn't he? And did. Sheehan said he's me, but at a higher level.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a realistic uh, assessment of it, really. And he, he is—he's—he's he's doing it to such a high level that. It's an absolute wonder that he doesn't, if he doesn't get picked for Scotland soon. Got to be. Really, yeah. really got to be.
0: If him and Campbell, if they qualify from their playoff and him and Campbell don't go to the World Cup, hmm. they're a better side than I thought they were. I'll, well, yeah, I'll if, say that.
1: If both of them carry on in the same vein that they have done of late. Now, we've already spoken about Campbell, how he's he's, he's really coming into his zone now, but I thought it was great anyway they've got to be looking at them too they really have
0: yeah uh, well if they're not they're doing something um completely wrong so composed though isn't he cow even when he's under pressure in his own box he'll just slide it to one side and then roll the ball over to the keeper or into pelly or to bell or just something composed and you're like Phew. everyone's like on the edge of their seat like get rid of it get rid of it get rid of it and he's like I'll do it in my own time, thank you very much. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got this all under control. He's a leader. Uh, He's, you know, he's been captain. I mean, you mentioned about the positions he played. That George Moncur free kick night against Portsmouth, he played as a number 10 for Portsmouth that night. So uh, he he literally can do absolutely everything. And I would wager that if we were picking a player of the season tomorrow, he would be
1: it. It's going to be a tough fight, isn't it, between him and Elijah? Um, I mean, if you're picking it now, I'd get it because of the vibes still going from Bournemouth, <laughs> isn't it? But, um, you know, Elijah's up there. He, you know, we've spoken about him so much, but he he does something at least one thing every game where you go, This guy is different, this guy is so different. Um, they're both wonderful players to have the fact that they've got you know, they've got one of them free and one of them for. Absolutely peanuts you know, we feel like I feel like a broken record really, because of the amount of praise that you are giving uh, the club but they deserve it, and the recruitment that they've they've put in not just for those two players but you know Alan Campbell and Jordan Clark and taking these players and um, you know, all due, due respect, but the, the Championship is a better division than the Scottish Premiership. Um, and you've taken Jordan Clark from League One, League Two. They've made, they've made, they've turned Luke Berry from, you know, the, the, one of the best midfield, goal scoring midfield players into potentially one of the best in the Championship. And it, it's no fluke, is it? So you've got to just take your hat off to how the clubs run and the work that they do. You know, it gets talked about a lot. And sometimes that can make you be a bit blase about it, but you, you've really, really got to, every now and again, just say, bloody hell, ev- like I said earlier, everything, everything, you no know stone untied it, everything is going right at the minute.
0: Yeah, finishing up on Maysmith, there was, a, it was a, there was a clip that went viral last season, wasn't there, when Dewsbury Hall did something special and you could hear mm-hmm. him shout, I could watch you all day, son." Well, yeah. Caldini, I could quite happily watch you all day. You're an absolutely fantastic footballer. Another footballer I can watch all day is Jordan Clark. And mm. we had him on the podcast last month, and he was fantastic value with us. And um, it's just a shame that obviously that was before the Reading game and the next three or four games got cancelled, which was a bit unfortunate. But this guy is stepping up big time, isn't he? Um, this season in particular, uh, absolutely different class. I mean, learning a new position, as we alluded to on the podcast that we did with him, came here as a winger utilised a little bit of right-back, right-wing-back, but this season firmly in central midfield, either the attacking position or even as one or two sort of sat a little bit deeper. So, so, so good.
1: Wonderful player. On the ball, he's, he's, he's fantastic. You, and he doesn't really have to do so much off the ball because he's got the likes of Campbell around him that's buzzing around. And, you know, if John Clark picks up a loose ball, uh, I mean, not everything comes off, but the, the fact that he's trying to thread balls through to Elijah, who makes wonderful runs, or when Harry was in the team and fit, um, to try and pick him out and get, because Harry plays on the shoulder, obviously, just that's the first instinct to try and pick those runs out and pick those spaces out. He does it so often. Um, but then, you know, we've already talked about the wonderful bit of skill where he just, Rumfits to Bournemouth uh, strikers, and he's he's got that in his locker. And you know, I think it's probably you probably we're getting to the point now. I think you have to start talking about him as having the same sort of impact as um, Keenan did last season. You know, everybody, and rightly so, because Keenan Jusby Hall was a wonderful player, Everybody whacks lyrical about how he played played football and what he did. With the ball and how tenacious he was. He was and he's brilliant and he's on the Leicester side and he's you know pulling up trees now for them and they're gonna love him. But at the start of the scene we're thinking, how are we gonna fill that void? How's that how is that void gonna be filled? Because he was such a good player. Nobody's talking about that now, are they? Jordan Clark's there, alongside Alan Campbell. It is. It is honestly. We're going to have to start talking about it as as being that good. That's Jordan Clark.
0: I mean, he's been dubbed the best free transfer in history, hasn't he? And of course, that's going over the top um, slightly. Not not necessarily saying that it's wrong, but it's, I mean, it's it, it was over, said
1: tongue in cheek. <laughs> but, <yeah.
0: laughs> it's going it's going over the top slightly, but he is a, a as well as a great footballer. He's a wonderful lad as well. You could tell that in the podcast that we did with him last month he came across absolutely superb and you know I asked him in that podcast if fatherhood has assisted with his football and he said you know that maybe it will do or has done well it certainly has done at the minute i mean he was like you say he was brilliant on saturday some of the not just the um, well i'm going to start calling it the clark turn now not the cross turn to get rid of <laughs> um, get rid of those Bournemouth attackers but even last night it was him who slipped the ball down the side for Bell to put the ball over for the first goal it was him who carried the ball relentlessly towards the edge of the box last night committing defenders who didn't really want to come out they were a lot deeper than say a Bournemouth were and um, you know he, he seems to be enjoying the position and getting better at the position and as he alluded to with us he is still learning it there's probably still more to come and for the rest of the championship I'd say that's a pretty fearsome statement
1: yeah absolutely as well um, he don't forget he had a good period out as well when somebody tried to take his head off at West Brom. So he's come back from that. He's just he's just a really, really influential uh player in, in the middle of the park. And I think you do have to really remark as well, the fact is he's not a big player and the championship is full of very big athletic um, certainly uh, central midfielders that go about and bully you and he doesn't have any of that it, it, i mean not that he doesn't possess that i mean he doesn't have the fact that they're trying to bully him he says no not, not having that i can mix it with you and then when i've got the ball i can run rings around you as well he's a fabulous player you know he's, he's got he's got the ability with the ball because he used to be with He had to have that uh to be as good as he was but it, it's not that this hasn't been remarked on before but it's easily forgotten that But when he was at Accrington, when Luton was scouting him, his uh, assist stats were up there uh, with some of the best in Europe. In fact, he was one of the best in Europe, European football, all divisions. So he's talking about top flight, wonderful wingers, and Jordan Clark was in there. (laughs) Quite why no one else was snapping him up is a mystery to me. But, you know, as we've already said in this episode alone, let alone others they know what they're doing when they're recruiting players.
0: And he's got <clears throat> he's got great composure in the box as well, as he showed against Cardiff when Elijah just rolled the ball and lots of players would have lashed at it. But no, he just rolled it back in the opposite corner where the goalkeeper was. Oh, it lovely had finish, left, yeah. Wasn't it? Lovely finish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he really has got the lot, Jordan Clark. And I don't know which member of his coaching staff thought that he would be a central midfielder, but whoever it was needs pay rise because it's <laughs> turning into an absolute masterstroke and he's a fantastic footballer and as I say really enjoyed having him on the podcast and we thank him again for uh, for coming on another player on the podcast is James Shate I caught up with him um I caught up with him this morning on his day off Shazy, thanks for giving up some of your time the night up sorry the day after the night before I no, uh, really appreciate that no problem at all excellent stuff there is so much I want to chat to you about and I know um rushing for time because there's a really crazy schedule going on at the minute so let's get straight into it and there's only one place to start really isn't there and that was the Saturday just gone uh home to Bournemouth amazing scenes at the end uh obviously Cow's goal absolutely fantastic it's got so much media coverage quite rightly so as as the gaffer's knee slides but what no one seems to have noticed is you came about 60 or 70 yards at the speed of light if there was a speed camera at the at the club, you'd have broken all boundaries. I mean, I want, what what happened? Tell me, talk me through it.
2: You know what? Right? I don't normally celebrate goals. I don't like celebrating goals. I think, right I've scored, concentrate for the next thing. I don't, I don't normally do it. But as soon as that goal went in, I thought, I've got to get involved. I've got to go get involved. And I couldn't help myself. And the worst thing was, right, when I'm walking back to my goal, I'm thinking, they can't score now. They cannot score now. I've run 60 yards. They cannot score now. (laughs) So, thankfully, the ref blew up straight away. And then I thought, thank God for that. And then you can celebrate even more. But that was the... I just couldn't help myself. I thought, I've got to go get involved. It was unbelievable. And I had a great view for the goal. I was right behind it. So, I could see how Cal bend it around the player. And I just see the net nestle. And I thought, I'm going. I'm going.
0: (laughs) It was just brilliant. I now, mean, you see it on the TV screen, I mean, I was there anyway, but obviously everyone's watched it two million times since then. And you see it on the TV screen, and all of a sudden, there's this flash of green just comes flying through into the. I, know, TV I stand screen.
2: That, I stand that like a sore thumb as well. Where I've got the highlight of green on, I stand that <laughs> real bad as well, don't I? <laughs>
0: Absolutely, it was just fantastic. But on a serious note, it just kind of shows the togetherness of everyone. There was everyone was in that celebration. Everyone,
2: right. every everyone you could think of the, the staff, the subs, the players. The crowd would jump on if they could as well. I reckon it was absolutely brilliant. It's, I'm not gonna lie; it's up there one with one of the best footballing memories I've had. If I'm honest, because I can't. The last time something happened like that, I remember remember a whole way where Cash scored, and then everyone jumped on. Then the only difference is there was no crowd, so I, I'd say you got three. Three I remember. You got the other day. Portsmouth and Kaz's. Them, them three were, were, were big, big moments, what
0: I remember. Yeah, the Portsmouth one, I mean, that was just, you know, iconic one not all the knee slides, George's free kick, literally just signed, brilliant stuff, fantastic. Was this one kind of, um, euphoric because of what went before in the game you know the disallowed goal and you know the kind of it got the crowds backs up didn't it it got the, it got the boys backs up and, and also they'd come back from two down to two each didn't they and 100% 100% I'm
2: not, I'm not even going to lie to you when it went 2-1 uh, you thought oh here, here we go and then it went 2-2 two, two, you think oh, Swansea all over again isn't it? and then but as soon as that second goal went in I felt the game changed and I felt we, we become the better team again I did. And after that, there was only going to be one winner. If, if anyone was going to win the game, it was going to be us.
0: And the other moment that you'd have had a fantastic sighting of was Clicker. Um, just going into injury time, he's got Arthur Bournemouth bearing down on him, he? and he just out of nowhere, just goes the other way and sends them all completely the opposite direction. Your heart must have been in your mouth when he was trying
2: Pilk's. I said this to Pilk's the other day, right? I said, got Clarkey running towards me, You've got two players up his backside, I'm thinking, what is he going to do? Just, just pay it Just give it back to me. Just give me a good ball back and I'm going to boom it as far as I can. But it does what everyone, no one else was thinking. He's turned them both. And it was brilliant, wasn't it? I thought, oh, thank God he's pulled that off. Because if you don't pull that off, we, we we
0: are banging trouble. Yeah, they're two on you. And uh, well, good luck, to, good luck to you there, sort of thing. <laughs> um, let's move on slightly from Saturday, because I'll, I'll come back to it again in a little while. Yeah. But I've got so much respect for you because you've come through the leagues with us and on each occasion you start the season on the bench, but you don't kind of, some of, some of people in your profession without absolutely slagging off footballers, some would like get moody and arsey and, you know, cause trouble and things, but you've never done that. You've worked hard and when your time comes to get in the side, that once that shirt's yours, you, you grab hold of it and you've done it again this season. We're unbeaten with you between the sticks this season. Just tell me what it's like, you know, when you are, kind of sat on the bench waiting for that chance but you know knowing that when it comes you have to be ready because it's just such an elite position. Like I said I've done it since
2: day one I've come in since I've walked through the door it's it's been the same and it is hard sitting on the bench not no one likes sitting on the bench but I know I'm not I've got to be ready for when I get my chance and whoever's playing if it's me or Sire Harry, anyone I will back them 1 million percent. I'll be right behind them 1 million percent. In training, I'll, I'll work hard. i keep my head down, work hard. And like I said, when, when I get the chance, I, w- I want to take it. I don't want it to be, say, if, when Sy gets injured, or he had, had the, all the problem with the COVID and everything before, I don't want it to be, oh, Shays is playing one game. Don't matter, because Sy's back next week. You don't matter, we can get rid of it. I don't want it to be, I-, I want it to be, Shays has gone in, Shays done well. I want to give the manager something to think about and that, that's all I can do. That is all I can do and it's up to the manager to, to make, make the decision and whatever he decides I will fully justify it's not, not a problem but I want to for my own personal pride I want to show I'm a good goalkeeper. I deserve to be playing. That's what I want to show I've and it's different. I'll, I've been at Harraburra. I've been near the market. I've, I've done it a different way to, to other people so I'm I'm in the championship. I'm, I'm either been playing in the championship or sit on the bench in the championship. If you would have offered me that uh when I was at Harrowborough and Eden Market, I would have bit your hand off for it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna go but go right the way back to sort of the way that you've 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 come through and like I said, you've come through the leagues with us, you were in league two with us, you were the golden glove in league one with us, but, you know, obviously absolutely fantastic season. And of course this is your third season in the Championship now. And now you're established, as I said at the start of this chat, you're now, right now, you are now the, <coughs> excuse me, the number one my throat oh. after last night. has absolutely no, gone. i no,
2: not. I'm not number one. There's no number one. No number one. I don't, I don't feel number one.
0: I just take each game as it comes. I mean, that's just a fantastic attitude. And I guess that's why um, there is such a togetherness with not just within the squad, but you goalkeepers in particular, you kind of, you're right together, aren't you?
2: Massive, massive. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Goalkeepers would not have it any other way. Whoever's playing, we back him one million percent. Sire has been absolutely brilliant with me. Every, every game he comes over, wishes me good luck. He's the first one there. Even last night after the game, first one over to me, congratulate, clean sheet and everything. And I'll, I'll do the same to him every single game. So we, we back each other. Whoever it is, me, Harry or Sire, we back each other one million percent.
0: And it was brilliant to see Si involved in those celebrations on Saturday as well, yeah, wasn't it? You know, he yeah. was right in there as well. He kind of, as a fan's point of view, we've not really got to know him as much as we get to know you because obviously COVID has kind of, you know, stopped all of the sort of closeness of of everything sort of thing. But, you know, so we kind of had this view of him as a slightly reserved character, but there was no reservedness about him on Saturday. He was straight in there with the rest of them.
2: Can't help it. You can't help. Your emotions take over and there's just nothing you can do. Is it, You think... <laughs> I've gotta go and get involved got to you just cannot help yourself it's honestly
0: if you could bottle that up and sell it you'd be a rich man I tell you <laughs> you absolutely would yeah I don't know how many rows I came down from where I started sitting and I don't know how I got down there but my god did i did I did a shift um your own form then four clean sheets already this season um from the outside looking in you look looking fantastic touch and I know you're gonna credit the defenders in front of you but just your own form at the minute um how do you see your own game right now?
2: I just do my job, really. I just do what I can do. Like you said, I've got got a brilliant back four, back five in front of me. And uh, the less work I can do, the better, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> I mean, but, last night, last night they didn't leave you with too much work to do, did they? Yeah, you you know, I could have chucked you a book and you could have read that for uh, most of the game. But I mean, again, that's just the credit to just how good we, those, well, those three centre-backs and also, I guess, the forwards and right away back are in front of you.
2: It's a whole team, whole team effort. The the, the two forwards, are our first two defenders, they were brilliant last night. The whole team was brilliant. Like you said, I don't have much to do last night. Uh, I thought Pete come in, Pete was outstanding, I thought. He, he heads everything, the boy. He heads absolutely everything. Don't lose a header. You kick it to him, he's gonna flick it on. You know what is you know what's gonna happen all day long. And he set up the he set up the first goal with a, a brilliant first header, he did. He heads the ball, get it down the left. Amari crosses it, own goal. Brilliant, brilliant goal.
0: It really was, um, and I, obviously, if the bloke do not score it, Elijah's got to tap in anyway, anyway. So it's going in the back of the net either way.
2: Of course, of course. It's, I, I could not. I don't care who scores. As long as that ball goes in the net, and we're
0: wondering what. Well, that's all I care about. And I guess that's the same with everyone, isn't it? Because the goals are shared out this season as well. It's not like I mean, obviously Elijah's the focal point that's got the most of the goals, but we're chipping in from everywhere. Cambo last night as well got on the score sheet. I mean, you also got. A Brilliant view of his goal on Saturday as well, I'm sure. Absolute rocket in the bottom yeah. corner. I mean, he's starting to really come to um, the party with the goals as well now, as well.
2: Yeah, it's a team effort. So you can't, we can't just rely on Elijah to get all the goals because it's impossible. Impossible. Elijah will get his goals when he comes, and other people have got to chip in as well. And like I said, Big Al last night, he's two in two, which is unbelievable for him. We, we work on, the boys work on their finishing every, nearly every other day. So it's not a surprise. There will come a time where probably the goals will dry up. That's just natural in football. It's going to happen. But if other people can chip in and get the odd goal here and there, the more more, more the better. Look at Mari getting the assist last night for the first goal. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. Um, The team itself... I mean, we have moved back into the top half last night, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you obviously, you know where we've come from. And to be in the top mm-hmm. half of the Championship is fantastic. But where are we? Are we kind of where we are? Or is there a sense now, let's push on and see exactly just where we can get this season?
2: I think exactly that. I think there's a sense where where can we go. We've we gone last night back to back for the first time this season, um, which is massive, massive in the Championship. If you can get that little run together, you'll fly up the table, you will. So, we just take each game as it comes. and. And at the end of the season, we, we see where it takes us. Don't get me wrong, the boys would love to, to get in them playoffs. It'd be an amazing achievement and everything from, from where we've come. I remember a couple of years ago, standing up on the last day of the season. So we've come a long, long way in such a short space of time. We've just got to see where it takes us. We're, we're hardworking, we're a good team. And if we veer from that, that's when we get found out. So we've we got to keep our heads on the ground,
0: keep working hard and just, just see where, where, where it takes us. And I guess the last few weeks must have given you boys tremendous confidence, not just the Bournemouth win. Fulham before that came down here, we drew the game, should probably have won the game, could have won the game, should have had a penalty in the last minute. They've gone absolutely crazy Uh, since they come down to our place. So there's nothing to fear for the boys in this league.
2: No, like I said, nothing to fear in this league. We've had the two best teams in the league at home the last two games and we've taken four points off them, possibly could have taken six. So it shows you... We we're in good form. We're a good team at the minute, and that we 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 deserve to be where we are. We could have had more points at this stage. If, if I'm being honest, could have probably had a few more points on the on the board. But it is what it is. We just got to keep going. Maybe step up. Like last night, it, it wasn't the best of games. Last night, we 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 didn't play with our tempo in the first half. Even though we we finished the first half with one nil. It was always going to be tough to go again after the Bournemouth, after the euphoria and everything, what happened. But we got the win. That is the main thing. So we'll go again on on Saturday to Sheffield United. it would be another tough, tough game. We'll just see where it takes
0: us. Yeah, just on last night, I guess in many ways, last night was equally as good a win as Saturday. Not in the manner of it, but like you say, there was always going to be a... I hate the term "Lord Mayor Show" sort of thing, but the atmosphere last night was nothing like it was on Saturday. It's an absolute horrible stadium to create an atmosphere in. As much as the Luton fans tried, it just you just can't do it. So you guys had to set your own tempo. You were playing against a side who weren't as good as Bournemouth and struggling as well. But you got the they job done a little that's bit all more. You than do,
2: more it? Well, they sat in a little bit more in Bournemouth, so we had to break them down a bit more. Um, it was a, it was a different game, but in times gone past, like. Uh, I remember we we beat who we beat who we beat we beat someone then we went and drew to Derby and that was a game we we could have gone and lost or drew last night but we didn't we went and won it so it just shows you we're learning we're getting better and it was a it was a big if anything a bigger win last night than it was on Saturday because no point win on Saturday if you don't back it up and we backed it up last night which was good. It really was.
0: And what's it like to play uh, back in front of fans again? You mentioned uh, a little while ago there were no fans for the Kaz goal and all of that, but fans are right back, right behind you. You're obviously in front of the Kennel Offend, 45 minutes every week. It must be fantastic to have that back in back. Again. I love it. I love
2: it, I do. Absolutely love it. Well, uh, I have a little bit of a joke with the fans behind me because I used to put my towel in the in the goal. So now I've got to put my towel on the floor because they can't see otherwise. But every time
0: I go over, I put my towel on the floor and get a little <laughs> cheer. I do. <laughs> I noticed that you put it in the goal last night, though. So you obviously didn't care that the Reading fans couldn't uh, couldn't see anything. That's not my problem. <laughs> fantastic! It's obviously going to be a great atmosphere on Saturday. We will take thousands up to with United, old school ground, fantastic kind of history and all that sort of thing. Another great occasion for the boys. But if we can come away from a win there, three wins in a week, we are really starting to go places. Oh,
1: it'd
2: be
0: massive, like you said. Be
2: massive. Uh, we've got to recover first because I, I know. Not myself, but a few of the boys will be a bit tired after last night. It's a quick turnaround, it is. So the uh, Gaffers give us the day off today, thankfully, uh, which is nice because we were supposed to be in. So it shows you what a win what a, what a win can do. <laughs> so the boys will recover today, back in tomorrow, and we travel up again tomorrow, and then we go again. And if we can go again on Saturday, it's going, be a, we know it's going to be a tough game. You look at Sheffield United's squad. It's a Premier League squad. They've just come down. So we know it'll be a tough game. We just go up do our best and, and, and whatever will we, we'll be. Did
0: he give you that incentive before the game or did he tell you no, after the game?
2: No, no, we didn't. We, we just assumed we are We get a schedule every week and on the schedule, it was Dan's being in. And uh, after the game, we, we've gone in, Gavin's turn man, other day off tomorrow, oh, he's overruled Jared. Because Jared wanted us into COVID. He's overruled him. Have a day off.
0: So happy days. <laughs> Fantastic, absolutely. You goalkeepers, um, as I said a minute ago, you're all together, but you've got yourself a new coach for um, recently. Kevin Pilkington, known to fans as a player for us, probably more known for a player in Man United, which shows the quality that he had as a player. What's he like to work with?
2: Brilliant. Honestly, he's been absolutely brilliant since he's come in. Uh, we had, a couple of years ago, we had Ema come in. It was a bit different to then uh a bit different then. So now we've got we've got two Kevs. We've got two Kevs, and honestly, it's 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 been really good so far. I've really I really enjoyed it. Um pilks does uh more the serving, more the sessions. Kev over uh, Kev overlooks it and everything. So they work well together, they do. And so far, I'm not gonna lie, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Pilks is great to go on with, you can just talk to them about anything. And um it's 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 been like a little breath of fresh air, having someone else to come in. And uh, I've enjoyed it because what you want to do as well, you've want to got a new goalkeeping coach coming. You want to prove, you want to show to him that I'm a a good goalkeeper. And it just gives that little bit more motivation in the morning. You want to show him, I want to show him every day that I'm a good goalkeeper. In the games, I want to show him a good goalkeeper and stuff like that.
0: And he's been a pro for a number of years, but he's still learning at your game.
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. You don't stop learning. Uh we we talk about even Pilks and that he he's encouraged me to be more positive in and go for coming for crosses and stuff like that. And I do feel it's, it's helping me. I've come for a couple last night, I've got a few punches in last night and everything. So he's helping me be more positive. You never stop learning. I'm 30 years of age and I'll always be learning.
0: And the best thing about last night was you punched the ball because when you came for one against Harrogate, you took Reese right out, didn't you? I mean, has he given you a bit Absolutely
2: of a stick? I him, didn't I? <laughs> I mean, AJ,
0: AJ, Anthony Joshua was happy with that right hook, didn't he? You caught him a good one. No, you
2: know what? It wasn't my hand that caught him, it was my knee. Because
0: I punched the ball, but you know what they say, you've got to take everything. <laughs> you meant to do that to the opposition though, mate, not your own um, centre-ass, you know what I mean? I know, that, it were
2: not ideal, but thankfully, after a minute or two, I just winded him. And he got up and he was good as gold
0: after. Uh, just a quick word on him, actually, because I wrote a column about him a couple of days ago. He settled in. He seems to be settling in really nicely now and really showing us the player that the gaffer thought he was going to be when he signed.
2: Yeah, he's, he's class. He's class. He, he, he's come through at West Ham. Don't be come through at West Ham if you're a bad player. And um, he's showing what he's all about. Now, he's my new roomie as well, by the way. <laughs>
0: Is
2: he? Oh, at, at, at the minute. Because of the COVID, so we're back to singles. But before that, he's my new roomie, So we get on really well with him, me and Berkey. He's a good lad as well, real good lad to be around. Um, but he, on the pitch, brilliant. He's been classy as. The f- we've got four good centre offs We have. You look at uh, Berkey, Nazy, Sunny, Locks. Four good centre offs Then you got so you got Gabe in there as well. Gabe, Mister Versatile. We can go anywhere. Gabe, centre holding midfielder, centre back, right back. We got we got a real good. Real good core defenders at the minute.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's a uh, sign of the strength of, of the squad, which I guess is going to have to be used over the next few weeks, Jayzy, because games come thick and fast. But as a player, do you prefer the games rather than training and training? Do you want these games to keep coming relentless?
2: All day long, all day long. Uh, I love games. Uh, it's the it's what you get paid to do. is It's the highlight of your week. You want to play in the games. All well and good training. Training's fun and everything, but you want to you want something to to show your showcase at the end of the week and games, nothing better. So, the more games, the better, for
0: honest. And hopefully we can keep this run going and that sort of momentum, if it keeps on going from one game to the next, we can do some real damage in this league over the next few weeks.
2: Momentum is massive. Momentum. Look at Blackburn. They lost, uh, I think it was 7-0 to Fulham and then they go on some amazing run. Then they top of the league. It's, it's unbelievable what, it, what what can happen. So, like I said, "What we just take it one game at a time, and we see
0: where it takes us." Sounds like your dog likes some momentum. As I know, well. I'm really,
2: <laughs> sorry. honestly, I'm really sorry
0: about my dog. He is an absolute pest. He is. It's he, okay. He barks at anything. It's okay. Stu will know that um, I did a piece with Kin and Jewsbury Hall last year, and my dog was just going absolutely. I had to record it about ten different times, and she wouldn't shut up. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely no problem with that. Um, I've taken up way too much of your time, Shady. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Really, really, really appreciate giving up some of your time, particularly on a day off. I feel even more guilty that I've um, interrupted your day off. But it's so good to see you back between the sticks. You really are a fan's favourite. You know that from the League One winning season and all the times that you've you've been here. So I wish you all the best of success for the rest of the season. It's just great seeing you back between the sticks, mate.
2: Cheers, Kev. Thank you, mate. Just a quick
0: word on Shazie before we finish this first part of the podcast, James. I know we've covered the goalkeeper situation in the last podcast, but I mean, this fella grabbed the shirt, not relinquishing it.
1: No, no, it's good for him. It's good for the competition. I'm I'm very impressed that they've stuck with him as well, because I was one of those that thought, you know, the minute he makes a mistake and he hasn't really made any But, you know, or the minute that Sluger comes back and is available, then he, he comes back in. But they're showing, uh, you know, loyalty to good performances, which is good. And I think that helps when you're talking about, as we have done already, that, you know, team unity, you know, and Chasey talks about how him and Sluger are the first to congratulate each other and build each other up, whatever happens. So that's good to hear. Um, but, you know, four clean sheets, all competitions, Luton never lost with him. Between the sticks, good stats to have. Good, good to keep going on with that. And um, and it's not like he hasn't been tested either. He's pl- pulled off some absolutely fantastic saves. Um, and he does seem to have a bit of a command of his box, even if sometimes he juggles it, but he gets it second time. Um, I've got no, I've got no uh, problems at all with him. I think you know he was. Uh, I think he's a great character. I thought he was wonderful in League One, and he was always going to be uh, moved moved back once Luton. Splashed out the amount of money they'd done Slugo, which is still their, you know, record signing so far, a million, just over a million, one point three, I think. Um, but for him to come come in now and and do what he's doing, I, I think he's brilliant. Um, they've got two very very good goalkeepers now. Right now, um, the the best man's got the got the gloves.
0: Yeah, as I said to him in uh, that interview, I've a lot of time for Shazy because an awful lot of people in his profession, when they're not playing regular games, can turn into bad eggs. But he has never done that. He's always fought for his place, and when he's got his place, you have to you have to do something pretty good to get it back off of him again. Because we are, you know, this is the guy who ended up being the League One Golden Glove uh, holder, wasn't it? Even though he didn't start that season, and that says everything about his character and that character. Of all of his teammates. That's it for the first part. The first part of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the recollections of Saturday. I'm sure you're still recollecting it yourself, and we'll still be doing it for many Saturdays to come. Uh, look out for part two, which will discuss various things, not least a lengthy period of time with the gaffer.